Section 4 of Orpheus in Mayfair and Other Stories and Sketches. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Orpheus in Mayfair and Other Stories and Sketches by Maurice Baring. Section 4 Jean Francois. Jean Francois. Jean Francois was a vagabond by nature, a ballad monger by profession. Like many poets in many times, he found that the business of writing verse was more amusing than lucrative, and he was constrained to supplement the earnings of his pen and his guitar by other and more profitable work. He had run away from what had been his home at the age of seven, he was a foundling and his adopted father was a shoemaker, without having learnt a trade. When the necessity arose, he decided to supplement the art of ballad-mongering by that of stealing. He was skilful in both arts. He wrote verse, sang ballads, picked pockets in the city, and stole horses in the country, with equal facility and success. Some of his verse has reached posterity. For instance, the Ballade du Paradis Peint, which he wrote on white vellum, and illustrated himself with illuminations in red, blue, and gold for the Dauphin. It ends thus in the English version of a Balliol scholar. Prince, do not let your nose, your royal nose, your large imperial nose get out of joint. Forbear to criticise my perfect prose. Painting on vellum is my weakest point. Again, the ballade of which the envoi runs. Prince, when you light your pipe with radium spills, especially invented for the king. Remember this, the worst of human ills, life without matches, is a dismal thing. Is, in reality, only a feeble adaptation of his Prier pour feu le vrai trésor de vie. But although Jean-Francois was not unknown during his lifetime, and although, as his verse testifies, he knew his name would live among those of the enduring poets after his death. His life was one of rough hardship, brief pleasures, long anxieties, and constant uncertainty. Sometimes, for a few days at a time, he would live in riotous luxury, but these rare epochs would immediately be succeeded by periods of want bordering on starvation, besides which he was nearly always in peril of his life. The shadow of the gallows darkened his merriment, and the thought of the wheel made bitter his joy. Yet, in spite of this hazardous and harassing life, in spite of the sharp and sudden transitions in his career, in spite of the menace of doom, the hint of the wheel and the gallows, his fund of joy remained undiminished, and this we see in his verse which reflects with equal vividness his alternate moods of infinite enjoyment and unmitigated despair. For instance, the only two triolets which have survived from his trente-deux triolets joyeux et tristes are an example of his twofold temperament. They run thus in the literal and exact translations of them made by an eminent official. I wish I was dead and lay deep in the grave. I've a pain in my head. I wish I was dead. In a coffin of lead, with the wise and the brave, I wish I was dead, and lay deep in the grave. This passionate utterance immediately proceeded, 
in the original text the following verses in which his buoyant spirits rise once more to the surface thank god i'm alive in the light of the sun it's a quarter to five thank god i'm alive now the hum of the hive of the world has begun thank god i'm alive in the light of the sun a more plaintive in fact a positively wistful note which is almost incongruous amongst the definite and sharply defined moods of jean francois is struck in the sonnet of which only the first line has reached us i wish i had a hundred thousand pounds volontiers serait pauvre avec dix mille escus but in nearly all his verse whether joyous as in the chant de vin et vie or gloomy as in the ballade des treize pendus there is a curious recurrent aspiration towards a warm fire a sure and plentiful supper a clean bed and a long long sleep whether jean francois moped or made merry and in spite of the fact that he enjoyed his roving career and would not have exchanged it for the throne of an emperor or the money-bags of croesus there is no doubt that he experienced the burden of an immense fatigue he was never quite warm enough always a little hungry and never got as much sleep as he desired a place where he could sleep his fill represented the highest joys of heaven to him and he looked forward to death as a traveller looks forward to a warm inn where its terrible threshold once passed a man can sleep the clock round witness the sonnet which ends the translation is mine for thou hast never turned a stranger from thy gates or hast denied o hospitable death a place to rest and it is of his death and not of his life or works which i wish to tell for it was singular he died on christmas eve fourteen thirty two the winter that year in the north of france was as is well known terrible for its severe cold the rich stayed at home the poor died and the unfortunate third estate of gypsies balladmongers tinkers tumblers and thieves had no chance of displaying their dexterity in fact they starved ever since the first of december jean francois had been unable to make a silver penny either by his song or his sleight of hand christmas was drawing near and he was starving and this was especially bitter to him as it was his custom for he was not only a lover of good cheer but a good catholic and a strict observer of fasts and feasts to keep the great day of christendom fittingly this year he had nothing to keep it with luck seemed to be against him for three days before christmas he met in a dark side street of the town the rich and stingy sieur de ranquet he picked the pocket of that nobleman but owing to the extreme cold his fingers faltered and he was discovered he ran like a hare and managed easily enough to outstrip the miser and to conceal himself in a den where he was well known but unfortunately the matter did not end there the sieur de ranquet was influential at court he was implacable as well as avaricious and his disposition positively forbade him to forgive anyone who had nearly picked his pocket besides which he knew that jean had often stolen his horses he made a formal complaint at high quarters 
and a warrant was issued against jean offering a large sum in silver coin to the man who should bring him alive or dead to justice now the police were keenly anxious to make an end of jean they knew he was guilty of a hundred thefts but such was his skill that they had never been able to convict him he had often been put in prison but he had always been released for want of evidence this time no mistake was possible so jean aware of the danger fled from the city and sought a gypsy encampment in a neighbouring forest where he had friends these gypsy friends of his were robbers outlaws murderers and horse-stealers all of them and hardened criminals they called themselves gypsies but it was merely a courtesy title on christmas eve it was snowing hard jean was walking through the forest towards the town ready for a desperate venture for in the camp they were starving and he was sick almost to death of his hunted miserable life as he plunged through the snow he heard a moan and he saw a child sitting at the roots of a tall tree crying he asked what was the matter the child it was a little boy about five years old said that it had run away from home because its nurse had beaten it and had lost its way where do you live asked jean my father is the sieur de ranquet said the child at that moment jean heard the shouts of his companions in the distance i want to go home said the little boy quietly you must take me home and he put his hand into jean's hand and looked up at him and smiled jean thought for a moment the boy was richly dressed he had a large ruby cross hanging from a golden collar worth many hundred gold pieces jean knew well what would happen if his gypsy companions came across the child they would kill it instantly all right said jean climb on my back the little boy climbed on to his back and jean trudged through the snow in an hour's time they reached the sieur de ranquet's castle the place was alive with bustling men and flaring torches for the sieur's heir had been missed the sieur looked at jean and recognized him immediately jean was a public character and especially well known to the sieur de ranquet a few words were whispered the child was sent to bed and the archers civilly led jean to his dungeon jean was tired and sleepy he fell asleep at once on the straw they told him he would have to get up early the next morning in time for a long cold journey the gallows they added would be ready but in the night jean dreamt a dream he saw a child in glittering clothes and with a shining face who came into the dungeon and broke the bars the child said i am little saint nicholas the children's friend and i think you are tired so i am going to take you to a quiet place jean followed the child who led him by the hand till they came to a nice inn very high up on the top of huge mountains there was a blazing log fire in the room a clean warm bed and the windows opened on a range of snowy mountains bright as diamonds and the stars twinkled in the sky like the candles of a christmas tree you can go to bed here said st nicholas nobody will disturb you and when you do wake 
you will be quite happy and rested. Good night, Jean. And he went away. The next day in the dawn, when the archers came to fetch Jean, they found he was fast asleep. They thought it was almost a pity to wake him, because he looked so happy and contented in his sleep. But when they tried, they found it was impossible. End of section 4 Recording by Ulrike Denis